O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lonely exile here, until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O rod of Jesse, and free thy servants from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people, O save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. I'm not sure if there is an official theme song to Advent, but if there ever was going to be one, it would be that one. This song is an invitation, I think, and if we can understand that song, you can understand the lyrics to that song, that same song that you hear every single Advent over and over and over again. If you can understand that song, you can understand Advent. And you can understand it in a way that's new. I don't care how many times you've sat in the same pews, you've listened to the same readings, you've heard the same melodies, you've seen the purple banners go up and go down and go up and go down. But if you can understand what's behind that song, you'll understand Advent in a way that's fresh, that's personal today. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Words echoed through the centuries and the millennia, a people who were longing, longing, waiting for something. Come, Emmanuel. And, and what when he comes? Ransom, captive Israel. Israel who is captive. where Advent starts for us. An admission, not an admission even, a, a recognition that I am captive. I'm bound. I am unfree. And I need someone to come to liberate me. Come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel. Israel who who mourns, mourns. Why do they mourn? They're in exile. And for those of you who maybe are, are unfamiliar with the word or who, who don't find that word very personal, let's talk about exile for a moment. What does exile mean? It means being cast out, separated from my people, my place, my home, my God. Come, Emmanuel, and ransom us captive in exile, separated, and not just exile, lonely exile, lonely exile. 
it is lonely in exile. That second verse, come, O rod of Jesse, the great prophecy from the book of Exodus, the name for Christ, the type of Christ. Come, rod of Jesse, and free us who are, are victims of the tyranny of Satan, and he is a tyrant. It says, from depths of hell, thy people, oh, save us, Lord. And for all of us who expect the certainty of dying, and it is certain, sure, we will die, but give us victory over the grave. <laughs> give us a victory. These words are, are the, the backbone of a, spirituali a spirituality of, of expectation and preparation. And as I said, every year they can be fresh and new and personal. At this time last year, I was in Lafayette. I was there about as long as I've been here. Uh, and I looked at the families at my parish in Lafayette, at the cathedral, and I asked them on the first Sunday of Advent, I said, what is it that we're preparing for? What is it we're expecting? And, you know, it was pre-COVID time, so all of the young families were up there. The kids were in the pews. Everyone sort of bunched together. And all of the kids who weren't paying attention until I asked a question they knew the answer to. What are, what are we waiting for in Advent? All of them jumped up and they went, Christmas! Jesus' birthday! Jesus got to be born! And I said, no, you kids! I didn't say it like that. I was kind and gentle and understanding. But I said, okay, maybe, maybe Christmas, maybe that's what we're waiting for. And in a certain extent, you're right. But actually, we're waiting for something even more than Christmas. Because follow me here for a second, work with me. In Advent, as we are preparing, as we are expecting something, are we preparing for Jesus to be born? Let me, let me tell you a secret about Christmas. Are you ready for this? Get ready. It already happened. It already happened. We are not sitting saying, I wonder if Jesus is going to be born this year. <laughs> he was already born. He was born. And because of that, we rejoice. Christmas is a reality. It happened. It, divinity entered into humanity. Eternity entered into time in a real event. If you had a time machine, you could go back and you could see it. It happened. And it's wonderful. It's the foundation of the whole reason we come to church. It happened. It happened. And since it happened now, we're waiting for something else. We're expecting something else. As I said, Advent in, in many ways every year has the opportunity to be very personal. Can I tell you something that just has always bugged the heck out of me? Ooh, it made me mad when I was a kid, when I was in high school. Uh, during these times, I, I would be told that these were profound moments that, you know, even as a kid, I would, yeah, this is very important. It's important to come to church in these times. We're waiting. We're preparing for the Lord. And I would say, okay, good. But then... I would see all of the things that were, I was told were so important, I would see them reduced to something cute and small and insignificant 
And it always has made me so mad <laughs> that, that this God of the universe is turned into, well, you know, he's just a little porcelain figure and we put him out for about 12 hours every year and then we put him back in the box with all of the egg cartons and we put him in the basement and we forget about it. Or, you know, this, this, this God of the cosmos who created all things, who comes back to save us, we sing songs about it because we're waiting for him. And then I buy a $40 plastic version of him in Walmart and I put him in my front yard and that's all I have to do. No! <laughs> no! There's got to be something more, right? It's got to. It's, it's got to. I need it to be something more. And you need it to be something more. If you're honest with yourself, I bet that if you had a moment of silence to think about it, an uncomfortable moment of silence, <laughs> you would say, I need it to be something more. Because that's the reality. We need. We are captive. We are in exile. We are underneath Satan's tyranny for a time, but we await a victory because it was promised to us. And that's a big deal. In some ways, I've told the other masses that I've preached at this weekend, in some ways, I think that I think in 2020, we're better set up for Advent than we've ever been before, at least in, in the last decade or two. Because think about what would happen before when that, that little part of you, that secret place in your heart where you're dissatisfied with life, that, that little voice that says, man, I, there's got to be more to life than this, the part that feels pain, the part that sits with the anxiety that, honestly, you felt all the time. But, right, in other years that aren't 2020, what's happened? Oh, we get that piece of bad news. Maybe we're separated from loved ones. Maybe, you know, we have this, this feeling of anxiety. And we can, well, we can ignore it to a certain extent, or we can try to. You know, we can drown it in pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving or, or you know, uh, turn on the TV and, oh, thank goodness, there's a Lifetime movie marathon and I can watch all of the different romance Christmas movies that are going to make me feel so good for about eight hours. And then they're not going to make you feel good anymore, right? But in 2020, when everything is taken away, when it seems like the blows just keep on coming and they do and we roll with the punches, but they are punches. Where we used to just place a band-aid on something and say, well, I can get through it. Maybe I can ignore this need in my heart. Now, what we've found out, I think, is that there are not enough band-aids in the world. <laughs> there are not enough band-aids to make it okay. And that's always been the case. But now, we know it. Now we can feel it. Yes, we are looking forward to Christmas, and it will be wonderful, and all the lights and the trees and the hymns and great. But at the end of the day, I'm awaiting something that has not yet happened, and my heart is longing for it to happen. A great, great friend of mine is a scripture scholar out in Colorado. He says we live in the time of already and not yet. We're in between these things, already because Christ has come. 
he was born. It's what we hear in, in our first reading today. Lord, you are our Father, our Redeemer. You are named forever. So why, Lord, do you subject us to this dissatisfaction? Why let us wander, O Lord, from your ways? Why do you let us harden our hearts so that we stop fearing you, stop realizing that we need you? Return, re return for the sake of your servants, for us. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Do you f feel that? Do you know what rending something means? Have you rent something before? In scripture, they'll talk about like rending a garment. Think of like incredible Hulk, like rending something. And the prophet Isaiah on behalf of Israel says, Lord, rend the heavens, rip them open. Take away whatever is separating us and come back, come down. He's come once, but he's not yet come again. And until he does, well, we're left in expectation. We're left waiting. We're left watching, as our gospel says today. So my friends, as I said at the beginning of the homily, if you can understand that first hymn, that hymn that's perhaps overdone but is powerful and, and maybe because of its frequency loses some of its potency, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, ransom us captive in lonely exile, waiting, waiting until the Son of God appears. And when he appears, oh, <laughs> rejoice, rejoice, because now he's here. Now I see the reality I long for. Now the promise is fulfilled and I am finally satisfied. This is our Advent season, a season of, a season of expectation, of waiting for Christmas, yeah, but also for something we've not yet seen but are going to. Amen.